welcome to the Bronova Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Okay, welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Bronova Podcast. It's your host, Thomas Pierce. Today, my guest this week is Dr. Jessica Higgins. She is a relationship coach and also uh, works as a transformational coach and facilitator. Um, Dr. Higgins is a licensed psychologist and a licensed professional counselor in Colorado, holds a PhD in clinical psychology and a master of arts in counseling psychology, and has a number of other training and um, certificates mm, in the, in the mental me. wellness space. So welcome, Jessica. Thanks for being here. For sure. Um, so why uh, is this your public facing content, right? It's much more coach forward than therapist forward, but you have all these great accreditations and training. So what about the coaching is preferable to you right now relative to what you could be doing or advertising? It's mm, a great question. It's been a development and I feel like it serves two purposes. One is when I had a brick and mortar practice in Boulder, Colorado, I found at that time, I think it has changed with more of the information age, so to speak, that people are having access to a lot more information. They're self-studying, they're getting curious about particularly the topic that I focus on is couplehood and romantic relationship. But at the time, this was back in like 2008, and I, I was seeing repetitively at that time that people were still coming in to get support from a counseling, couples counseling perspective, when it had already been a certain amount of time. I think statistically they say on average, I think this has changed, but when people seek support, it's almost been seven years since they've been running into problems. And so it was almost oh, their wow. last ditch effort. And I was like, ah, you know, and it's like, they made the analogy of like, it's like going to the doctor and you broke your arm seven years ago. And you're like, can you help me fix my arm? And they're like, yes. And if you would have come seven years ago, likely we would have been able to help more and the healing process. And so I mm. really, and also did a dissertation on couplehood and the principles of more conscious relationship. And I was like, mm. if people had access to this information and had a little bit more understanding of the principles perhaps they'd feel better equipped and more able to navigate the terrain of long-lasting intimacy. So that really spawned the interest of starting a podcast and doing programs. And that is much more coaching, being able to serve people in a bigger capacity. And then also a lot of the work is helping people scaffold what does it look like to create connection when maybe what I've known is more protective strategies or fear or reactivity as it relates to things that might get evoked and the dynamics of intimate relating. So uh, I think it's definitely therapeutic. So I don't, I don't remove the therapeutic part of me. It's very much a blend. Mm -hmm. However, when we're talking about what moves to make, what to be aware of, how to set dynamics up for success and being more connected, more vulnerable, all the things that really support the deeper intimacy that 
can also be very much the coaching. Amazing. Yeah, you have a podcast as well. I didn't throw that. And you're no novice in that space, a couple hundred episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, three. I think we're publishing, we just published 367 or we're about to or wow. something like that. So, I mean, just, you know, I, I feel like I, I'm on a weekly schedule now. I started in 2015, but um, yeah, no, it's... Congratulations. That's, that's epic. Thank that's, you incredible commitment to make that happen. Thank you. Thank you. Is it, is it a driver for your business as well? So the original intention was to help educate and then also, yes, build awareness around whatever I was offering. And to be honest, I'm still finding, I mean, it's been many years and I'm still finding how to serve people in a way that really aligns with me. I I don't do it if it doesn't fully resonate. And I tend to be more being with more relational, which isn't necessarily the always the best fit for the online space, but the podcast works and I feel really good about that. And then feel really good about my client clientele. And to answer your question, yeah, people do listen to the podcast and then reach out if they're needing more support but I still have clients that I've worked with since the brick and mortar or people that get some support and they get what they need. And then they come back when they're needing a little more, they're confronted with something else in life. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Well, I have a, are you familiar with the concept of like steel manning an argument? Uh, tell me, tell me what you're referring. So I, I, from my understanding, it just means like to, defend a, a position or a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, often it's used to like in conversation. Let's say I believe in a to, I will like, it'll be a fun exercise just to make me defend B mm-hmm. even though I don't actually agree with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so I was out to dinner with a bunch of my buddies before I left Philly. We got a nice steak dinner. It was awesome. And we were talking about one of my buddies had gone to therapy that day and he was a little like reflective and his energy was definitely different. Mm-hmm. And so we we're like, Oh, what's up? You know, what's going on? He told us, I was like, Oh, cause we started talking about therapy. And then one of my other buddies was like, I would never go to a therapist who has a therapist. Oh. <laughs> and we were all like, we were all like, dude, <laughs> that's like saying I only drive on bridges that, a structural engineer did not approve. You know? Or I only like, go to a trainer <laughs> that doesn't have a trainer. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. But for someone who might agree with that, why is that the wrong position? Do you think, or why mm. is it? Why does it not disqualify someone to provide mental health services if they are themselves receiving them? Okay, so you're asking me to talk about why it's beneficial to get support as a clinician or a therapist. Okay. Okay. I was, I thought you were going to ask me about the, your friend. And I was like, I can entertain. I could probably come up with some reasons why. Yeah. Uh, No, I didn't actually ask you to steal men his argument. So I used the wrong, I used the wrong, the wrong transition in that, but. (laughs) 
Well, I will say that depends. Well, okay. So just to be really real, I, to your friend's point, I think there is something to be said about the cliche or the stereotype around the wounded healer. A lot of times people go into learning about psychology and therapy and the disposition, whether or not they came from an environment where they were playing the mediator or were already playing the mini therapist, but just didn't have the training, uh, whatever relational family dynamics were at play or experienced some level of trauma and just seeking their own understanding and healing. So there is truth to that. And to really speak about this more generally, I do feel the benefit can be far and wide for really anyone. It's looking at at the therapeutic space and the way that we're talking about it can be supportive emotionally, the mental kind of our beliefs, our mindset, our belief of ourselves, our belief of others. It can be looking at how we physiologically experience the embodied feeling and the emotion. There's many things that it can uh, many aspects to it that one can develop in. And so I don't know if you're ever familiar with like Ken Wilber and lines of development. We all have different aspects. So we could be an Olympic athlete and be kinesthetically brilliant, but maybe we're not the best cook or the chef, or maybe we're not great mm-hmm. at math, or we have all these different lines of intelligence. And so when we look at the pursuit of developing our personal self, our relational world, our emotion, or you know, all the things that kind of encompass that internal world and relational world, it, the development often is best served when we have support, whether or not that's somebody holding a space whether or not that's somebody offering input and reflection or offering any type of guidance. And I mean, that's with any industry. Why have to forge it and bump in the dark <laughs> trying to figure it out when there's people that know the landscape? So usually the mm-hmm. best speed or efficiency is getting support from someone who's knows the lay of the land. So I do believe anyone could benefit from getting support albeit the type of support would vary depending on what the goals are. But I think therapy and coaching is so such a big, broad umbrella. I mean, even someone who wants to develop their business and being an entrepreneur, like those things, I'm sure you know, like the inner game is just as important as the outer game, like what kind of results one's getting but what that requires and the confidence and the, um, the visioning and there's so much that goes into it. That's interpersonal. I mm, think. For, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it can benefit everybody. And my, you know, therapist is actually a coach, which is something I never would have thought I would say, cause I was super skeptical. Mm. I, you know, I, I try, I guess I, I'm an institution truster, mm-hmm. you know, So someone with that formal training, I was kind of reluctant to invest in, but it's actually a guy, Jay, who's on, who had been on my podcast. That's why I met him. The guy's a freaking legend and, uh, super helpful. I've worked with him for a few months. It's been awesome. So, Mm -hmm. um, 
and I and I have awesome. a therapist <laughs> just to be clear right, that right. I do and I you know in yeah. another aspect I know you wanted to make a point but we don't always know mm-hmm. our blind spots right or the things that we're not conscious of so part of just in my idea of developing is making what's unconscious conscious and becoming more integrated becoming more whole and that, that can take many forms but getting the support from another can be really helpful but so you were saying that just yeah. the coach and necessary yeah yeah, we we ended up we refined his argument down to that he wouldn't want to go see someone who's currently dealing with the same thing he's there to talk about, which I felt was much more fair than just saying <laughs> <laughs> anybody who's in therapy is losing it, and I do not trust them. <laughs> I appreciate uh, that. Like if someone's going through and they don't necessarily have a lot of clarity and stability, right? It's like that can feel a little. Um, precarious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so the other thing you said back in the beginning was you were talking about this type of relationship um intentional relationship or it sounded like i don't know fully alive reaching its potential kind of thing mm-hmm. and you mentioned some traits or characteristics of those types of relationships and what what are those in your perspective. Hmm. Well, if I'm hearing you, you're reflecting what I was talking about around just more conscious. And so the mindfulness, Mm -hmm. the awareness, and that's being in, it's, it's like being awake in relationships. So often we do what we've known and we do what we're familiar with. And sometimes it was, you know, those patterns were not necessarily the most healthy if, we didn't have a family that was really modeling or embodying the healthy relating given whatever circumstances or whatever they were dealing with as far as parents. So there's a lot of reasons why doing what we've always known maybe isn't the most optimal approach. And so when we look at being awake, it's like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Or what is the result or what am I co-creating? What am I contributing to here? And can I be aware of that and be in ownership of how I'm contributing? So to answer your question, some of the, I would say one of the big, I'll just lead with this is the ability to be open and take some ownership of one's experience that that can be really helpful going to close this blind because the sun is coming in really strong. Um, <laughs> and then to be in the visibility, the transparency to make what's perhaps the internal space uh, more visible. And that can be extremely vulnerable, especially when we talk about relationship and things that really matter to us around the heart space and um, the person that we choose to really bond with that can that can be really threatening at times to talk about the things that we're ashamed of or we don't feel good about um, or feel inadequate around. And so that typically can be a game changer. For sure. The things that are making us anxious, that it would be easier to not bring up a difficult conversation, for example. And then the other, what is this concept of in relationship? Maybe we have some foreign language, you know, maybe ESL listeners, and where it's, it's like a plural word, but it's relationship. What is this concept if it's someone's first time kind of hearing that? Yeah. So 
It's, I like to think of you have two people. So often I'm serving people that are in a monogamous relationship. I'm not against anybody that's wanting to be in a different structured relationship, like a poly relationship. It's, um, so two people and you have each individual and what they're bringing, but then you also have this entity. It's like the relationship, it's its own thing. And how we are with someone, we are in relationship to the other, and we're also contributing to the dynamic and creating the relationship. Does that address what you're asking? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so kind of looking at any relationship as this is a thing that has a life of its own in a lot of ways. It needs to be tended to. Yeah. Um kind of independent of just how I interact with my girlfriend, for example, but kind of thinking about it as this third thing that we're actively creating every day. Absolutely. And I think classically, I think most of us are a little bit more savvy, but there are a lot of messages around you got to find the right person. It's got to be the right fit. You want to find your, maybe if you, you don't even believe in the one, so to speak, but it's so much emphasis around finding your person and then not as much emphasis typically in mainstream kind of messaging around how to continue to tend to maintain, nurture and grow the relationship. Like that's a whole thing that I don't think we get as much modeling around. It's such an intimate space. Some friends talk about it, but not everyone. And so sometimes it can feel a little bit uncertain around how to do that. It's like we almost expect it to just, as long as we find the right person, then it should just all work. <laughs> it's typically right. sometimes what we confront as- the movie ends. Mm-hmm. Right, the movie ends and then it's time to enjoy the rest of your life. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yes, Exactly. <laughs> Happily ever after. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting thing, talking about relationship problems, because that's a very sensitive thing. And I mean, I'm of the, my whole orientation is that talk about stuff is better than not, mm-hmm. including with relationship problems, you know, and I, I'm even thinking about things that I, you know, did in my relationship in the past that bothered my girlfriend she wanted to talk about it but also she didn't want her friends or family to think less of me because mm-hmm. she cared about me but it was this weird conflict and that probably replicates you know in a lot of scenarios with people where they have something on their mind they have to talk about it but they don't if it's about their partner who they're building a life with it's like it could even it could be about the partner it could be about like i don't want you to think less of him or i don't want you to think less of me for being with him for example or there's so many other complications like, you know, yeah. And I guess what the whole thing this is kind of pointing towards is that the choices we make in our lives, especially around if we're in a relationship, affect the people we care about a lot, mm. not just the two of us in a relationship. It's like our whole families, our friends. And that's not really talked about. No. You know? Like I've, I, I, I talk to my family all the time, but I've never gone to my mom, for example, and been like, how is like Kendall and I's relationship affect you? You know, but I don't know. Maybe that could be a conversation. Hmm. You know, it's, if it's not something that, yeah, like you said, it's all about like, find the person, have the wedding, have the kid, buy the house. And like, there's nothing else that's 
prioritized in the in the kind of public facing media. And it can be a huge setup in that it can be so disillusioning to feel like oh, I've done all the things and not feel fulfilled or feel really discontent or even feel like there's conflict and it's we're not satisfied and just the real um, upset there that can be incredibly a huge rattle. And I just to respond to what you were saying, I think it is really important to cast a wider scope here that the we we know and we are shaped by relationship and the imprint and the map that we got in early childhood was not even that's not even isolated right it came there's a lineage of our what came before what came before what came before and then also who's in contact with us and the impact that we have whether or not we have children or not our close people are definitely influenced and impacted by the dynamic of the relationship. And you're right, I don't think this gets much attention at all. And I also think there's some wisdom around how we communicate, right? So I think there's wisdom around the narrative, right? If we're going to someone, a family member in this case, and venting about all the shortcomings of our significant other, it's going to be very unrepresentative. It's going to be a small piece of the pie. And while we might feel relief and and comfort and support by that interaction and getting our families, whatever reassurance or whatever they're telling us that we're, we're looking for, they're now exposed to just a very small part. So it does get distorted and they're not even hearing, Mm -hmm. even if you were to try to do it full justice, it's still one part of like, there's two people that are interacting. So I think if, if there is a lot of openness and transparency around just acknowledging, right, there are way more things here that are at play that perhaps I'm going to be able to speak to. And there's this one part, you know, I think that that could be potentially mm-hmm. helpful to just name like this isn't this isn't everything. For sure. And the, with family as well there's this you would hope I would hope you know orientation towards protection of like you're my family member anyone who fucks with you is dead to me, <laughs> yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> I got so, your back and I want what's best yeah. for you. Yeah. And then, but also like, I don't know, there has to be some forgiveness too and moving on, you know, that you would be such a shame to like have a couple build a life together and it's a happy life and a good life. But then there's like someone who holds onto a grudge from when they were teenagers or something, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, for example, just, yeah. So all of this also is conflict and conflict management, which is a really interesting part of your job, I bet. Um before we go there, I actually thought of something that I wanted to ask you. Do you work with people who are not in relationships as well? I do. Most of the individuals that I work with have relationship concerns, whether or not they had a breakup okay. and they're wanting to do it differently, or they're actually in relationship, but really want individual support to look at what's getting activated for them. So most of the 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 focus is either relationship or couple, even if I'm working with the individual. Mm-hmm. So I, there will be some people listening who are like, 
Thomas and Jessica, like I'm not in a fucking relationship. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I want to be, you know, and, and as I learn more about the stages of life, the stage I'm in, this young adulthood phase, there's a lot of people struggling with that. I'm um, trying to develop mastery of the selves and autonomy and then also relationship mastery and kind of it's this big like dual thing that gets thrust upon people my age to you know live by or like figure it out mm-hmm. financially figure it out emotionally so for someone who's listening who is struggling with that you know there's no i know you don't have like a magic answer but you know how, i guess what would you say to kind of provide perspective on that struggle they have and where they are in in this phase of their lives mm-hmm Well, one thing I want to just share personally that I did some of my deepest relationship work when I was single and actually like trying to heal after a pretty bad breakup. And what's ironic, Thomas, is you were talking about communication. We both cared deeply about communicating, but we would talk for hours, but we were talking about content rather than the vulnerable, deeper parts. And at the time, I didn't actually realize how vulnerable and scared he felt. And I was trying to explain to him so he would feel reassured. And we just kept going around in circles because we weren't really talking about the thing that really mattered. But all this to say, I mean, at that point, I had a master's in psychology, I had an undergrad in psych, and I grew up in a family that was pretty progressive. I was being taught communication skills like I statements, all these things. I thought I was pretty well equipped <laughs> and I yeah. hit a huge wow. roadblock and we went to therapists and coaches and we still, oh, wow. and I was, it entered me into a deep dive of like reading books and I was like, ah, okay, this is, this is making sense. And at that time I'd already, Enroll, or I'd already applied to a PhD program. And so I was straddling this space. I actually was a wilderness therapist that summer. Anyway, I really took it to heart around what that meant for me. And I read a lot. I journaled a lot. I really reflected a lot. There was actually some deep insecurities that I didn't even know that I I wasn't really conscious to or aware of. And so reflecting Mm -hmm. on the interactions, I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) So (laughs) I do think that in a lot of ways, any type of relationship, although intimate relationship is typically going to show us a mirror in a, in a more deep way than like an acquaintance or a coworker because they're just not as invested. It's not as intimate. They don't know as they haven't been witness to so many parts of us. Um, but I took that as a friend would say, I mind the gold of that relationship. I really tried to look at, okay, what is in this for me to learn? So to your point about learning and self mastery and development, and I practiced and I was really doing a lot and without going into great detail, Fast forward, I would say nine months, maybe a year. I wasn't ready to date, but I met my now husband and uh, I started practicing Mm. even as a friend with him, some of these principles. And they weren't really socially uh, graceful. They were things that I don't think the average person would lead with, but I was really in service with this like deeper. <laughs> right. I was like, and I know he was a little thrown yeah. off by it, but it was, it, we, we laugh about it now, but I was so like naming the uncomfortable truth or not in a way that was disrespectful, but just like really showing yeah. my insides. And, uh, cool. 
fast forward, we were friends for like, I don't know, gosh, seven or eight months. And then we started dating. And anyway, I've been, I've been very much in practice and I, I could talk for a lot more about the history and my journey and experience with this, but my individual commitment to this, you know, unrelated to what my relationship status was even dating or not dating single, like it still remains a deep devotion of mine. And yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm hearing that there's an opportunity there if you are single to, you know, and also to kind of work backwards. If somebody's concerned about that, they're not in a relationship, you know, if it's, a, if it's something they care about or it's a, something they perceive as an issue, then you must be willing to do some work on it because you care about it so much. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like it's a bit of a challenge of like, okay, well do something then, mm. you know, if, like make yourself better, make yourself more ready for that opportunity mm-hmm. when it presents itself. For example, that's kind of where my, I always kind of go to that, like, mm. you know, to myself, like, what am I going to do about it? Like, okay, I'm saying this is an issue or something I care about. Well, go ahead. Like <laughs> go, go do something about it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Not easy, mm. not fun. Always sometimes super hard. hope you are enjoying this week's episode of the Bro Nouveau podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it and bringing it to you. To get involved in the conversation, you can send me an email, contact at bronouveau.com or find me on Instagram at bronouveaupod. Please share this episode out with someone who you think will enjoy it and you can leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For full-length video episodes, head over to YouTube and search Bro Nouveau Podcast. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like conflict in a relationship, which is one of the main topics that uh, we had talked about, kind of chatting about. So giving and receiving conflict, let's keep it specific to within a relationship because mm-hmm. that's kind of where we've been going. So how, like if someone, if you were explaining this to a, a child who is, couldn't comprehend that had, had never heard it described, you know, what would you describe conflict as and why, why does it exist? Okay. So just to be clear, you're asking about conflict or criticism. I know we had talked about criticism. I'm open to talking about either. Oh, true. Uh, yeah. Which one, which one do you think? Well, I like criticism, actually. You do? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> so if I were to talk to a young one, did you tell me what age they were? Uh, it doesn't... You don't forget about it. Pretend like you're talking to my audience, adults. Okay. Well, to simplify... Reframe, reframe our understanding of, of criticism, yeah. Well, typically when we lead with a complaint or some type of criticism, we are talking about the other. We're pointing the finger and we're describing the thing that hurt or didn't work. Mm. And that's really natural. Natural, It's understandable. And it also can be smoke and mirrors. 
that typically the real need underneath is, Hey, I want some attention. There's a thing for Mm, me and I'm raising my hand with you and I want you to turn towards that. However, when we point the finger, the person on the receiving end is typically like, whoa, 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 that's not entirely true. Or they might defend against the characterization because it doesn't feel accurate. And then that's the smoke and mirrors. It gets off track and really derailed on what the whole point of it or the need was in the first place. Totally. So again, it's, so it's, if, if, if we're giving a criticism to someone, it's really about like, you know, the other person did something that made me upset or I did, uh, you know, kind of got me maybe uncomfortable in some way. And so how, how should I deal with that? Or, you know, what's the, like if I'm trying to be better, right. And not be just pointing fingers, you know, is there a framework for approaching that interaction or how would you, you know, recommend someone process those feelings, for example? Yeah, it's a great question. I do know that you had really wanted to serve people to kind of look at this both in the more work, business life, as well as mm-hmm, more of mm-hmm. the romantic, intimate life. I do think they're really different because oftentimes when we are in a role, whether or not we're in a program or we've signed up to work on a team or we're leading other people or whatever the arrangement is, there's an understanding and we've actually signed on to either be evaluated or to evaluate others. And so that's in some sense an agreed upon thing. Where in the romantic life, we don't typically want unsolicited feedback. We didn't sign up to be critiqued or evaluated. That's not why we're typically in relationship. Usually we want to feel this sense of safe haven, this connection, this closeness, be seen, understand each other. Yeah, we might be different. We might not see eye to eye, but we are for each other. We have each other's back. And so when our partner in the romantic space starts to turn towards us with what feels like an attack or a criticism, it's like, whoa, 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 I didn't, (laughs) you could be right, but do I (laughs) like, you could survey all the people in the world or you could have all the evidence, but I don't know that I really care that. I mean, I hate to say it, but like, I don't know that we care that much about our partner being right or what they think about whether or not we're doing the right thing or not. Like, I don't, I don't, unless, unless we're soliciting it. That's the big thing difference is, are we looking? And there's many times where my husband and I will say, Hey, I want your input or I want your feedback. But when it's not solicited or even welcomed, or even it's feels like a intrusion, especially when it's led with negative complaint and criticism, typically that doesn't go very well. Totally. But it's also like there's so much closeness and intimacy with a partner that it's like, I guess it's a maturity thing, but realizing the closer we get, the closer, you know, the deeper under the skin we get, like easier just to lash out. You know, it's almost like paradoxical. It's like, yeah, our, you know, it's, it's almost like it becomes like a, 
there's a moments where it's like, I've you're probably familiar with this. I've heard I just talked about like in a relationship, it, the the roles change. Like we're friends, we're like family, we're lovers, we're mm-hmm. opponents, we're fighting, we're you know, it's yeah. this crazy evolution all the time. And I feel like it's yeah, like for me personally, it's hard to. if I'm really upset about something to be cognizant of this grand context in that moment. Right. Cause it's like, we're working towards something. We're on the same page. These are the rules of the game that we agreed to, but you know, because you know, this person's so close to me, of course, you know, I'm going to be upset at times. Um, I love- but I get all of this to me. Oh, good. Yeah. No, 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 please. And it, it all just reminds me of like, it's all self-awareness. Yeah. <laughs> like it, all, yeah. it all comes back to that <laughs> same theme. It's so true. I love that point because I do think that in some ways we maybe expect more from our partners that they might be able to tolerate or hold space or be more forgiving, give grace, that we can be a little messy, right? At work, there's a lot more, not that there's a lot more on the line, but we're, we're being mm. evaluated on it and held to a standard that is professional. <laughs> so yeah. I do think that we could maybe do and say things because a, it's going to affect us more because of the heart space. And we just get triggered that much more easily, but also we feel like we can be that much more real and it it can be tricky. I, I do want to answer your question. I realize I didn't fully answer to distill it in the romantic space, I think one of the best things that we can, to your point about self-awareness, be do a little prep work is to lead with a request or to lead with a reveal. So if we notice the impulse, even me, like I do this all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. and when I feel hurt or I feel insulted or I feel scared or it's something in direct relationship to my husband my first impulse is to want to call him out about the thing that Mm -hmm. he did or didn't do that I didn't like. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so I know enough to know, okay, let's let me understand a little bit more about myself here. And maybe there's something I'm really needing, like a request of like, Hey, I noticed this, the self-awareness, if I can share with him and then what I'm asking for, or just the vulnerable Like, here's where I went when X, Y, and Z happened, or here's what came up for me. And he's going to likely turn towards that because he wants, he loves me, cares, wants to help and is empathetic and understanding. So that helps him. I made it that much more visible. I've sent a clear signal to him and likely he's going to respond. But if I talk about all about him, (laughs) then we're distracted. It's an attack. It's an attack, right? and we're we're yeah. not talking about the thing that I actually really want. Mm. Love that. Yeah. And then, how about in um, a workplace setting? Then, uh, because criticism is, you know, part of the mission, right? Because we all formally agreed to work in this context to these goals. And there is a lot more room to provide that, you know, constructive criticism, but maybe, maybe it's not always constructive. So for the, for the very sensitive person who doesn't deal well with criticism, 
you know, how, how would you coach someone through that at a, in a workplace setting to receive or to give to, re- to receive, oh, to, to start. receive. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was already thinking to give. So to receive, I think it can be helpful to have a little, uh, understanding that the expectation, right? If it's going to be a review or if it's a project and there's a debriefing, right? That that's part of the territory. I think some of us are so shy around feeling like we're failing. I remember I have a friend in Santa Barbara and he was doing his dissertation and he is in the engineering world. And he's like, engineers fail all the time. Like they, that's part of the process Mm. of getting to the solution is you fail, 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 fail. And then you're like, I got it, but you got to fail a bunch to get there. And a lot of other people in other industries are doing so much to not fail. Right. So the expectation around, okay, if we're going to be in the zone of learning, part of the learning is looking at what could have been better or what can I, what can I glean from this? That could be an improvement. And also if the climate, let's say it's a little not ideal. So on the, on the giving end, I would encourage people to give both positive feedback and more constructive feedback that could be deemed as negative feedback so that it's rounded out a little bit more. It's not just so focused on the weakness or the improvement. Yeah. And so for the person on the receiving end, I mean, look, most of us were wired up. There's something in psychology called the negative bias, which we're evolutionarily designed to focus on the negative because we're tracking how to mitigate threats and deal with that. So we're going to put more energy towards that. So even if on the receiving end, we do get positive, we're still going to be like, okay, well, what's the negative? (laughs) I'm waiting for it. And what do I, and likely we're going to focus on that. So mm. if you if one knows themselves to be more sensitive, I'll raise my hand here and that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I did. You know, it doesn't feel great, and it's like I do care yeah. and I want to do a great job. And so if I'm getting, and if I can take time with it, so sometimes it's kind of give myself some time to process, not do anything immediately or need to come to any conclusions right away, but can I just give it some time to settle? Can I come back to it? Maybe take notes if if you're getting it verbally um, or if it's in an email or some type of messaging. Look at it once, be like, ah, maybe I just feel my gut drop or my whatever sensation happens and then can I come back to it? (laughs) And then trying to come back from it with that learning framework because I think it is really difficult to improve when we can't get that feedback around how we mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. be. And hopefully it's done constructively to your point. If it's all character attacks, that's not really that helpful or useful. So to that point on the receiving end, I'm just, oh my God. <laughs> that if somebody, if, if, if the, yeah. if the head or the lead is like, it's not very constructive, I think one can ask, okay, so you don't like this, don't like that. And it doesn't seem like, a, can you help me around what would help this what would be an improvement or can, can you help me around what you are looking for? Like try to lead it to being more constructive so that it can be a learning. I think we can advocate for that. And also I think it's fair to ask, was there anything you did like, or is there something that worked? <laughs> I think we can also ask for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's great. 
I, uh, I'm also a sensitive person and I, <laughs> I'm, I'm at work. I, uh, I have to rein myself in mm-hmm. with criticism a little bit. I'm not like going out of my way and like, fuck that up. You fuck that up. You know, I'm not doing that, but I'm just, I, I just have a very like kind of cutthroat approach to things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, listen, man, I'm busting my ass every day, getting my shit done. And if you're not, like, you're dead weight. (laughs) That's that's kind of my attitude. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and so for someone like me um, who wants to, one, not get fired for being a dick, uh, and, uh, and two, you know, obviously, like, Again, this whole podcast is an outgrowth of me trying to be better and be empathetic and lean into those characteristics. Um, so yeah, for like the hypercritical person in a work setting, you know, what would the flip side of that coin be? If we're moving, you know, we were talking about receiving as a sensitive person, giving as a person who's critical. What uh, what can one do to be more fair, maybe, or more? objective. Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to comment in your defense. I, I'm not sure if you would resonate with this, but I do think that even in the, depending on the work environment, that when there's a, a good relationship and people know that you care and that mm-hmm. you're showing up in other ways, they can, they can tolerate that. And especially if it's a personality or style thing, right? Like Mm. I think people can appreciate you being super real and direct and that Mm. can, that can work. So I just, I'm, I wanted to comment that I think it's hard to talk about this in total isolation. Like there's a bigger context that I think really matters, but to your specific question, I think some of what I've already referenced, I think if you can set up, I mean, this is not that dissimilar with the relationship. It's like, when's a good time, right? Like not when somebody is running out the door or if they're hungry right before lunch, or it's like right before holiday True. weekend. Like if there's some setting it up around, like, I'd like to schedule some time. Let's, you know, want to debrief or even giving somebody a heads up around like, and I, I know this might not be always feasible if there's a sense of urgency, but if we do have some time to kind of schedule it, put some attention on it, I think giving some structure around, I want to talk about this thing. And then I wouldn't overwhelm it. I wouldn't be like, here's all of the things that I'm challenged with. <laughs> but it's like, right. if I can choose one or two things to focus on that really I want to, you know, and then it's like, so I want to talk about this thing. I know here's how it's been challenging or here's where I'm seeing it's it's difficult. I'd like to hear from you what what you're, you know, kind of that's a more relational style. So I know this doesn't fit for every industry, but there can be is this does that seem true to you? Can you say more about what your experience is or how that is for you? Mm. And then is this something that we can talk about around potentially how to improve or let's strategize. And like, would you like some support around um, potentially how to grow in this area? And there could be lots of ideas that come from there. So it feels more supportive. And then I do like the idea of giving positive feedback, even if it is, we're focusing on this one area, 
but I do want to also acknowledge here's the things that I really do appreciate and what you're so good at. And Mm. I think that can help offer some (laughs) ground. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's all practical. That's great information. Do you remember the, the like management advice that came out was like layer in seven positive for every negative. I, well, there's Gottman research, the Gottman Institute, and they talk about having a percentage. It's either five to one or seven to one of positive Mm. to negative. You're like, no, (laughs) (laughs) dude, do your job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's interesting. It's kind of like a recent mindset development in my life. And I'm kind of observing it. Like, mm-hmm. where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Like, why, why is this like, but I don't know. I think it was cause I'm at a startup and it's kind of that, like, yeah, it's kind of like being an entrepreneur for sure. Or, you know, it's like, got to keep the lights on, got to keep moving. Um, and there's a grind to that, right? Like there's a level of, um, self-managing and that you want to be a part of a team, right? It all matters. Like when we think about the chain link analogy, when somebody is a weak link, like it's, it does hurt everyone. Mm. And there's this mentality of like, we're trying to really do something here and we're bought into the mission and the vision and what's up. Like, I can appreciate that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Kendall and I, my girlfriend, and I had a Kind of, uh, she's told me that like seven to one, five to one thing. And I was like, uh uh. And then we got not an actual fight, but you know, we like to debate and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Awesome. Well, um, is there anything else that you would love to share with my audience about either work you're doing or a, a PSA about? something they should know about in this crazy life or anything, anything else? (laughs) Well, the thing that's coming up for me is, as we're talking about this, that when one might notice or has, have even gotten feedback from others that they're highly critical, oftentimes Mm -hmm. there's many reasons why we do that. I won't go into all of them, excuse me, all of the possibilities, but often we're leading with the intellect and that can be safer, right? To evaluate, to judge, to you uh, know, to critique. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about just this awareness, if we can access other parts of ourselves, sometimes in the again romantic sphere, it's the more of the emotional, the vulnerable, and that can open up so much more into the theme of awareness. And sometimes a critical tendency is like habit. It's what we witnessed growing up. It's what was considered yep. we're in high achieving. We've been in the, I mean, look, our, I think West, West culture very much reinforces this achievements, pursuits, goal setting, you know, and, and evaluation and being dialed in and like even being on point mm-hmm. with whatever your job description, like there's, there's a, there's a momentum to that. And mm-hmm. it can often feel safer emotionally so I guess I just want to say that this is there's a learning curve to this. If we've noticed we rely on this critical kind of thinking, and often we'll need it for our professions, like a, an attorney, a scientist, like uh, even an executive. Like there's a lot of ways that we call shots throughout the day and need to. And then we come into the more personal space 
and it doesn't work. So that this takes almost like putting on a different hat or building up some skills to complement. We don't get rid of the critical thinking. We round it out. And so we can access this relational part and it has many benefits, right? We will feel the reward of our partner responding to us when we have a thing that we want attention around and we can feel closer and more understanding and can work together, which can be really difficult when we're in that critical defensive loop that tends to create disconnect. So all this to say, it can feel um, difficult to shift, right? We can say, oh, I'm not going to be critical and just decide we're not going to do it. And that typically doesn't work because it's just so... We actually can get a little bit of a dopamine hit. It can feel even a little addictive to just like get that little dig in or even the critical thing. It can can feel competitive, like, ooh, I just showed you. (laughs) So, Yeah, uh, you're so right. Well, uh, where can uh, my audience go learn more from you, Jessica, and uh, find your podcast and, and all that, all the great stuff you're putting out there? Uh, thank you. So my website is drjessicahiggins.com. That's doctor with a DR. And then the podcast is Empowered Relationship Podcast. And there's a podcast tab and all of them are on the website. Also any podcast player. And then there's tons of resources and opportunities to engage in coaching or courses or those type of things on the website. Awesome. Well, It was an absolute pleasure to speak with you. You are very well-spoken, knowledgeable, and thank you for sharing as well your personal anecdotes. It always helps kind of bring everything full circle. So thank you very much. Thank you, Thomas. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for the work you're doing and your own, just the the value of growing and developing and um, how you're leading by example and also assisting and supporting other people in this space. Thank you. 